0: As I spent this week in preparation for this week's story, I, I thought about how powerful story is. I'm reminded once again of how powerful story in my own life and how story can shape the way we see and experience the world. When I was a young child, one of the things that happened in our house is if, if something was put in front of you on the table, we, we ate it, we ate it. I know, mom and dad, you know, I'm not trying to embarrass you. You're not alone, and that's the way we did things. So, but one time we decided we would have uh, Brussels sprouts. And we had them, and I believe they were boiled. And they did not smell good to me, but as is the uh, custom, I ate them, I threw them up. Uh, Now, that is all to say that that story shaped my experience of Brussels sprouts for the next 40-some years. Uh, Maybe even 50. It's been about eight years ago that Linda and I went to a small restaurant where they were doing a wine tasting to support LCAC, where Linda works. And so we went there and they paired a kind of wine with different small side dishes, and one of the small side dishes was roasted Brussels sprouts with bacon and balsamic uh, reduction. I will tell you that is a wholly different experience, but my first thought when I looked at the menu and what was going to be paired in advance of this is, oh no. And why was that? It was because of the story that had shaped my experience as a young boy eating Brussels sprouts, which by the way was the last time I remember as a child eating Brussels sprouts. Whether they were ever served again or not, I don't think they were, but it was not a good experience the first time. However, now Brussels sprouts have a new story for me. And because they have a new story for me, I am able to have, we roast Brussels sprouts at our house. I could never have imagined that before about eight years ago. You see, story has the potential to change us. And that's just a little tiny story, Brussels sprouts. Who cares? Uh, Besides the Brussels sprout growers of America, I suppose, um, and distributors. But for me, the change of story, the way of looking at things differently, when the story changes, the way we live in the world changes, the way we engage the world changes. So we've been looking at a couple of stories. We looked at the creation stories, both of them, the the beginning, putting things in order, and then the second story with Adam and Eve in the garden, and we talked about what they might mean for us today. Uh, what those stories may speak to us. Now I'm going to share with you what may be my favorite story from the book of Genesis, although I, I like a lot of them. It's a story, uh, well, I'll just read it to you. It's in the cha- 12th chapter of Genesis uh, and uh, I'll be reading starting on the first verse. Adonai said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and the home of your parents, and go to a place I will show you. I will make of you a great people. I will bless you and make your name so great that it will be used in blessings. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, and all the people on the face of the earth will be blessed through you. Abram who was 75 years old when he left Haran, began the journey as Adonai had instructed and his nephew Lot went with them. Uh, Abram took Sarai, his spouse, Lot, all their possessions and all the dependents they acquired in Haran and set out for Canaan. This is our reading of the, uh, the, the Bible this morning for us. Thanks be to God. You know, when I look at that story, I ask myself, I spent the week asking, why do we keep telling the same stories over and over again? If you've been at St. James or known me for the 30 years, almost 30 years that I've been here, I have talked about this story probably at least 10 times, maybe more, maybe less. But in the end, the story keeps coming up. Why do we care about a guy who, say 3,000 plus years ago, uh, left his home country and took off, whose name was Abram? Why do we care? Besides, it's in the Bible. People say to me, well, we care about it because it's in the Bible. But it's in the Bible for another reason altogether, and it's because it's a story that's meant to help us understand who we are, and not just who Abram was, There's a reason why we keep Abram's story. Abram later was renamed by God Abraham, father of many, and his two children, one became the father of Judaism and one became the father of Islam, at least as the story goes, one of his children. So the truth is, Monotheistic religions owe our history to that piece. But is that enough to just throw a piece of history out there? What is it about this guy that is inspiring to us that tells us who we are? Not just who he was, but who we are. First of all, God asked him to step out. Now the truth is every single one of us are invited to step out every single day. We're invited to step out whether it's uh, In the midst of school, if it's to go shopping, if it's to go to work, uh, if it's to stay at home, we're invited to step out in all sorts of ways that in, in their own way are risky. Most of us are not asked to leave where we are and just randomly wander to someplace else. That doesn't happen very often as it did for Abram. But if Abram could do that, Can't we wander to the places God seems to actually be calling us when there is a destination, a a place to go, a a thing to do? Can't we make and take a few risks to touch the world in which we live? Now, there are some ways to mitigate the risks in our lives. We are told by the CDC and others that it would be safer for us in today's world to wear a mask when we go out so that we can protect ourselves and others. Some people uh, follow into that, feel good about that, do that. And on the other side, others don't for a, a whole host of reasons. And part of the host of reasons is they believe in a different story. This is how we are shaped in our lives by the stories we tell. One set of stories says to us, trust science, trust uh, trust what the government tells us, trust what other people say to us. And another story says, we can't trust them. What they say to us is a conspiracy, it's not true. Our story is different. That story over there is one story, this story over here is another story. I don't know which story you decided to believe in or somewhere in between. But the truth of it is that we all use those stories to inform our everyday decisions about what kind of risks we're willing to take. I was talking to someone earlier this week who decides every week, this person happens to live in another part of the country, a part where masking doesn't happen, uh, and they have to decide on a regular basis, am I going to go to the grocery store? Because the grocery store is everyone else maskless and me with a mask. What story am I going to buy into? How am I going to live into that story? Because not only is it that they don't wear masks and I wear masks, sometimes they ridicule me because I do wear a mask. Our stories, when they clash with each other, become the opportunity for us To point fingers and attack one another. The last possible thing God wants us to do. And yet we let the stories inform us in such a way that they shape our behavior, they shape what we do. According to science, this whole neuroscience of stories developed specifically in human beings over our entire evolution. And it was developed to protect us. We would hear the story about gatherer Jane who went down to pick berries and she picked the red berries instead of the blueberries everybody else was picking. She ate the red berries and died. A painful death right there. You tell that story so that when you go to gather you don't take the red berries. You only eat the blueberries. So way back in our history as hunter-gatherers, to be safe, we had to figure out the stories, retell the stories, because they shaped who we are. They shaped our safety. And now when our stories ever get threatened, we react in the same way we would react if somebody attacked us physically. We either fight or run away. We measure them. Bigger than us, run away. About the same size, 50-50 chance, maybe we fight. Maybe we don't have a choice. But we wonder why when somebody has a different story than us, we fight when, or they fight with us when we try to put out the facts. Because this story over here has a set of facts. This story over here has a set of facts. They don't agree with each other. So what are we going to do? going to have to learn to respect each other's stories and figure out which ones are worth believing and which ones aren't. Now, see, for us, the story of Abram is worth believing because this was a man who set out, stepped out in faith, and every time the story was told, you saw the product of what happened because of his story, because of the story we have in Israel. Because we have an Israel, we have a Jesus. Do you see how the story plays into an ongoing story? Every one of us is a part of that ongoing story. And the story that we tell ourselves ought to invite us to respect and love one another, to be a blessing. Now, one of the things that strikes me, that never struck me when I first heard this story as a child, but has struck me every single time I've read it as an adult and since I've been preaching at St. James and that is this. His call was to set out in faith but God said something really important to him. You're blessed but the purpose for blessing you is so that you will be a blessing for others. Blessings are not privileges. We are blessed for purpose and meaning You and I are blessed so that we may bless others. The whole ground and foundation of our faith is about how do I bless others with my life? Certainly not by entering into ugly arguments. Certainly not by passing by on the other side when we see someone hungry or starving or sick We are called to be a blessing. And you see, the interesting story is that's not just true of Abram. It's true of us. And the question we need to be asking ourselves that informs who we are as God's people is, are you being a blessing? I can tell you there have been points in my life when I wondered if I was being a blessing to anyone else. And usually in those moments, I also wondered if I had received any blessings. We all go through those tough moments when things are crashing in on us and we wonder, am I even blessed so I can be a blessing for someone else? You know, I tell those stories and now they they almost seem like a caricature of my younger days when I was so poor that I would eat bread that was moldy, just scrape off the bread and put peanut butter on it. You cover it up and you just don't think about it and you hope that none of the spores were something that will kill you. Uh, And apparently, none of them were. You know, they probably gave me that extra penicillin burst that I needed all those years ago, so I'm fine. But if we think about it, you know, those stories, uh, in those moments, I wonder, I can't remember whether I felt blessed or not. I, I certainly struggled. But I meet people who are in the toughest possible places in their lives. Oftentimes when I go down to Appalachia to do work with Appalachia Service Project, either as a volunteer or as part of a mentoring program I'm working with now, a chaplaining program. I see people who even when their house has holes in the floor and there's water coming in through the ceiling, And I've been in some houses that didn't have indoor plumbing. Uh, Even all of that, the people don't see themselves as unblessed. First of all, they see themselves in general as being blessed to be alive. And then they see themselves as blessed that Appalachia Service Project would show up and help on their house and fix things. Oftentimes in our lowest moments, we miss the blessings that are ours. At the very basic core of who we are right now, I know that I'm blessed because God has given me the gift of a heartbeat, and it keeps beating. I am drawing breath right now and letting it go. And in doing that, I am blessed. Before I left my house this morning, I had a bowl of delicious oatmeal, my favorite beige food. It's my favorite food. Actually, I would eat beige at every meal of the day. I am fortunately married to people and have family members who are like, Dad, Dad, you cannot, James, you cannot eat beige all the time. So I eat other things too. Not always by choice, but uh, beige. I I had a bowl of oatmeal this morning and it it was warm and it kept me warm. I got up this morning, I woke up into this day and that itself was a blessing. I sat in the absolute darkness in my chair at five o'clock this morning with a warm cup of coffee and looked out the window. I couldn't see a daggone thing. And sometimes that's the way life feels, you can't see a daggone thing. And yet we're never alone. In those moments I felt blessed. Yesterday afternoon, I came, maybe it was still yesterday morning. It was yesterday morning. I walked to the back window of our house and there was a hawk in our backyard. A beautiful hawk in our backyard. And he was eating, she was eating, they were eating, whatever it was that they had caught. And uh, she was right there, he was right there, they were right there on the ground. Beak down, take a piece, Look around, make sure no other predator is coming to eat me. Beak down, take a piece. I watched for 10 minutes, transfixed. There is a hawk in the backyard. I said, honey, there's a hawk in the backyard. She came over and she looked. I was sure it wasn't gonna stay much longer. So after 10 minutes of watching the hawk, I went back down to my chair to do some more journaling and preparing for today. About a half an hour later, I wanted another cup of coffee. This is yesterday, probably late morning. I come back upstairs. I make my coffee. I look out the back window. The hawk is still there. The hawk is still eating. The hawk is going on and on. The hawk stayed and ate for an hour and a half. <laughs> I'm starting to think, what did you catch in my backyard? And do I really want to know what it was? So when I went out to the compost pile later that afternoon, I discovered, you know, if you ever wonder if pigeons or doves are real, you know, I know that the real, you know, the. Uh, These days, the urban legend is they're not, they're just, you know. This was a real pigeon, or at least the remains of it. There were feathers everywhere and it certainly satisfied the hawk. So the hawk uh, was a beautiful blessing yesterday. It was a gorgeous blessing, a reminder of God's grace and the serendipity of each moment. I don't know what's coming, but in this moment, could be anything and it could be good. I am blessed. I see you, that's a blessing to me. We have the stream, that's a blessing. Both of my parents are still with us. I get to talk to them, I had a great conversation with them day before yesterday, or yesterday, or I don't remember now. Uh, blurs together a little bit. That was a blessing. Josh is at home, he's fixing us brunch. That's a blessing. I have so many blessings don't I want to, like Abram, be a blessing? Be a blessing. Every single one of you here is already blessed. And just by breathing and being alive and drawing breath, you're a blessing to others. If you can internalize the story and make it yours, make it yours. Blessed to be a blessing. I am blessed to be a blessing. I'm invited to risk love all the time. Will it always pay off? No. Sometimes it won't come back my way. But that didn't stop God from loving us all the way to the cross. It was a tremendous risk. God put faith in us and uh, some would say it was a little misplaced. God still believes in us. God still blesses us so that we can bless each other. Be a blessing. Recognize the blessings of your life. And if you don't, I have a practice I want to invite you to do. It's one I do every single day when I sit down with my journal in the morning. One of the first things I do. I list ten things for which I'm thankful. And usually the things aren't things. Some of them are. I'm thankful for love. I'm thankful for waking up today. I'm thankful for Linda. I'm thankful for Hannah and Joshua. I'm thankful for my friends. And oftentimes I name them. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the place I've been given to stand in this universe. That God gave me and trusted to my care. I'm thankful that I get to do this work as a part of what God's doing. And by that time, I've got ten things. If you can't think of ten things, it's okay. Maybe you can think of one. But I try to shape every day out of the gratitude I have for the life I've been given. And then I recognize my blessings and can give away what blessings I had to give give it a shot it's worth it one of the things we do every week when we gather in this space and I suspect you do it wherever you are all the time and that's pray we talk to God about what's going on in the world what's happening and those kinds of things I want to invite you to continue to be in prayer for the Donnelly family they're all recovering and um, Uh, doing well. Actually, we're right on the cusp end of everybody feeling better, but quarantining for just that one extra Sunday made sense. So that's why James isn't here playing music for us this morning. I, uh, I said to him earlier in the week, let's err on the safe side for you and for us. Let's err on the safe side. And so that's what we did. We do want to be in prayer for the congregation uh, Beth Israel in Texas uh, where the hostages were taken there. Um, I understand that as of this morning that was resolved and uh, the hostage taker uh, is dead. And that all of the hostages are not uh, in fact all the hostages I think were saved. That's what I read this morning. So. I want us to be in prayer uh, for, the, for them, for the hostage situation that happened, for the fact that we would ever feel like it was okay to take hostages of any kind, of any other person. That just points to the fact that we have different stories and that we feel like our story, uh, our story is a story of love, of hope. I want us to keep Tracy in our prayers, uh, Tracy Crute. Oh well Tracy is Tracy Crute is in the hospital in Pennsylvania and uh, he had uh, I know about I, I know that this is that Is that, is that, that the same Oh sorry, there was no Y on that. It that his email I mean his text message to me does not have a Y on it. Oh. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't matter. We, he had a heart procedure this this week, and uh, he had had the heart procedure before, but now they had a longer heart procedure, and we're hoping that the recovery is on its way. Um, Tracy's been coming to St. James for a long time, and uh, he's just a fine man uh, whom I've come to love, much as the rest of you. Um, and I just want us to keep Tracy in our prayers. So, um, The Donnelly family, the congregation, Beth Israel, Tracy. uh, Also, uh, just the world we live in. Our stories don't have to be about violence and force and oppression and pushing. As people of faith, as people who follow Jesus, our story is a story of love and making room for the other and self-emptying and sacrifice and God's abundance. These are what our story is really all about. And we wanna live into that story. We are blessed for a purpose to be a blessing. So let's enter into a time of uh, prayer together. We'll begin in a moment of silent prayer. I'll pray out loud for us. We'll pray the Lord's Prayer together. There'll be a version on the screen behind me. If you know a different version, by all means pray it. If you know a version in a different language and that's the one you want to pray because that's the one you grew up with, do that. Perfectly fine. Whatever version you pray is absolutely fine. But we put one up here that uh, we will use together for those of you who wish. Let's enter into a moment of silent prayer together. Gracious and loving God, thanks. Thanks for our lives, for the breath we're catching right now, for those whom we love and for those whom we don't because we don't know them or because we feel something else for them, because there is no one you don't already love. We pray, oh God, that you would help us be a part of a different story, particularly if our story is a story about exclusion and difference and uh, pointing fingers and judgment. We pray, oh God, that we would recognize that that's not our story. Our story is about love and inclusion and welcome and invitation space at every table for you and for one another. Lord, we pray for those who are traumatized in in Texas, those who were held hostage, those who cared about those who were being held hostage, Uh, for the person who held them hostage, who is now dead. We pray, oh God, for all those folks we pray that you would be with all of them and with all of us we are so thankful that Galen and Megan and James are recovering from their uh, struggle uh, with uh, with COVID particularly Galen uh, well and Megan and James But Galen, who really seemed to feel uh, the weight of having had it. We pray for Tracy, for the procedure that he's had, and for your ongoing love for him. We pray that you will uh, watch over him as he recovers. We pray that you'll help us be your people in this world that the stories we tell would be the stories that inform us about how we can be more open and loving and neighborly, how we can love you more and love our neighbors more. We pray, oh God, that you would just help us make it moment by moment, thankfully recognizing your presence in our lives. And we ask all of that in the precious and holy name of your son, Jesus, the same Jesus who taught us when we pray together that we could pray in this way. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil.